Introducing MyHoover. Through this new feature, you can now more easily follow the work of your favorite fellows and policy topics. Customize your newsfeed, manage newsletter subscriptions, and receive notifications when your favorite publications, broadcasts, and podcasts go live. Bookmark articles, essays, and multimedia for later viewing. Take the step to create a MyHoover account now and transform the way in which you acquire this valuable knowledge. Between now and the spring, the Supreme Court will rule on at least three cases involving Donald J. Trump. Two questions. What should the court rule and what will it rule? Richard Epstein and John Yu on Uncommon Knowledge Now. Welcome to Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Peter Robinson. Richard Epstein is a professor of law at New York University, a professor of law emeritus, and a senior lecturer at the University of Chicago, and a fellow here at the Hoover Institution. John Yu is a professor at the University of California, Berkeley Law School, and like Professor Epstein, is a fellow here at the Hoover Institution. Professor Yu served as Deputy Assistant U.S. Attorney General in the Office of Legal Counsel during the administration of President George W. Bush. I should note that Richard and John are old friends, having appeared together for more than a decade now on Law Talk, the Hoover Institution podcast. Much of the time they agree, but when they disagree, it is King Kong and Godzilla. I'm Godzilla. Uh, oh, I was wondering. He's King Kong. You, you, okay. I'm Fay Ray. <laughs> All right, boys. Will you pipe down now? Each one of these requires a bit of a setup. I have to explain the case, but then off you go. Trump versus Anderson. Here's the background. Last December, the Colorado Supreme Court ordered former President Trump's name removed from the ballot of the Colorado Republican Party, which will hold its primary election this coming spring. The basis for that ruling, the events of January 6, 2021, the Colorado Supreme Court held A, that Trump's actions before and during the attack on the Capitol amounted to insurrection against the United States, and B, that the 14th Amendment, this is the amendment ratified in 1868, that the 14th Amendment disqualifies anyone who has engaged in an insurrection against the United States from running for president. Donald Trump appealed the Colorado Supreme Court's decision to the United States Supreme Court. And as we sit here, just last week, the court announced that it would take the case. We're recording this program in mid-January. The court will hear oral arguments on February 8th. Former federal judge Michael Lutig, long considered leading conservative and originalist, quote, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment simply could not be any clearer that the former president is disqualified from the presidency just as the Colorado Supreme Court held. John Yu? What? <laughs> what should the court rule? Is Ludig right? Is, no, it, is, is this wrong. a slam dunk? No, this is not a slam dunk. It's a close case. In fact, two very distinguished originalist scholars were the ones who came up with this idea that you could disqualify a president under the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which is written right after the Civil War, and of course is primarily aimed at the people who joined the Confederacy, but not limited to the people who joined the Confederacy. Uh, I think that uh, the U.S. Supreme Court will quickly overturn Colorado. I think we're going to see light speed in terms of how fast 
that opinion comes out for several reasons. One, I don't think that the, found, the founders, the people who wrote the 14th Amendment, and I certainly don't think the Supreme Court will think that there should be 50 different states all interpreting the 14th Amendment differently, but all applying their own since standards. Since the Colorado Supreme Court decision, the main Secretary of State took it on herself to kick Trump mm -hmm. off the ballot. So this is... And you've got three other Supreme, state Supreme Courts saying, no, Trump isn't disqualified Including under California, the ballot. California, by the way. Mm -hmm. yeah. California's Secretary of State. So if you think about what the kind of disorder and chaos that could arise if each state is allowed to say, we're going to choose our own disqualification standards and we're going to start kicking people off the ballot. It's also not just the president you're talking about. You're talking about people who run for Congress, for Senate, members of state houses, the list of officials this provision applies to the long. So that's what the second thing is. I don't think the provision applies to the president. It doesn't say the word president. It doesn't seem to apply to people who were president, who might have engaged in an insurrection. And it doesn't seem to prohibit people from running for president. So I think there are really two strong grounds that the Supreme Court But one Court of them is use. pure policy's prescription. I'm forced to point out, Professor Yu. Policy. You're saying, you're saying that the Supreme Court won't permit this to stand because it wouldn't work well. Well, no, that's not the, a legal argument. No, no, but that's a legal argument because that is one of the reasons why you have a single Supreme Court to impose a uniform interpretation of the Constitution throughout the country. Okay, I'm coming to you in a, just a second, Richard, but first listen to this. Adam Liptak in the New York Times. The point here is that this case is even bigger than it sounds. Quote, the sweep of the court's ruling is likely to be broad. It will probably resolve not only whether Mr. Trump may appear on the Colorado primary ballot, but his eligibility to run in the general election and to hold office at all. Close quote. We have a number of polls over the last few months in which Donald Trump leads Joe Biden. Yeah, I just looked at a poll, ActiVote poll, the other day where Trump leads Biden by eight points. Now there are other polls, but in some polls he's leading. Is it conceivable that the Supreme Court could choose to tell Trump voters in their tens of millions that the final decision about whether Donald Trump may or may not run for president sits with the court and not with them? No, it's not conceivable. It's not. The question is how you reverse this situation. And there are many grounds that you could use, but there's only one that works. What you must do is to simply say that this is an issue which is a political question and the courts have nothing to do with it. Uh, let me sort of elaborate on some of the things that John said. Right. You misstated the problem when you gave it to us. You committed legal malpractice. Well, it's uh, not the first time. Not, nor is it the last <laughs> time. <laughs> and, and not for the last time, I'm thinking to myself. Not for the first time, I'm thinking to myself, thank goodness I don't get a grade from Richard at the end well, of this. Well, I mean, but what happened? He has a grade for you. He's just not telling you what it is. <laughs> well, no, but, but this is a common mistake. All right. What you said is that it disqualifies any person from president for an insurrection, right? Right. That's not the way the amendment reads. But that's what the Colorado Supreme Court I know, but they made a very serious ah, make. Well, at least I mean, what you do is you have to start with the beginning of the provision, which says when you're talking about a senator or a representative or a presidential elector, uh, they are going to be subject to this. And then there's And a, that's clear in the language of yes, the Yes, that's, that's what they say. They don't mention the president, but they mention the presidential electors. So the first question you want to ask, is this just an omission? That somehow they didn't think of it? No. What they were trying to do is to make sure that any state official 
coming from the South would not be corrupted by the various sorts of insurrection. So what they did is they went after the members of the Electoral College because those are chosen on the state level. And if it turns out you get all of the insurrectionists or rebellion people out of the thing, then when you run the Electoral College, you have the right bunch of people and they will make the right kind of decision. And so, uh, they didn't want a bunch of former Confederate officers determining who would in be the, the Electoral College choosing uh, the next president. But if they're not there, yes. <laughs> and if they're not there, then you have a perfectly normal Electoral College and you let the political provisions go. Um, Ludig is very irresponsible on this because they never take these words into account. So that's a first problem. The second thing is uh, there is a very technical decision that is hinted at by John, is there's one thing uh, to talk about the president having an officer, and there's another thing to talk about the president being an officer. Office versus officer. The R makes all Office the difference. Office versus officer. Sir. Yes. All right. The R makes all the difference. Because if you then look at the appointments clause of the Constitution, it says that all people who are appointed as officers have to be appointed by the president. And so what you do is you're saying if the president is an officer covered by this clause, it means that the way he gets chosen is in fact to appoint himself as president. And so what Michael Mukaskey said some time ago Michael is... Michael Mukasey, former attorney general yeah, and a yeah, very fine lawyer. And and I, what he said right. is, that, look, he said, if you look at the remedial provision, Congress has the veto power uh, that it can waive. You know, Two thirds of the people say you could do that. And what is clearly is this is about a point of offices because that mechanism could not possibly work for the president who's chosen through a very different system on the electoral college. So the court will say, we want nothing to do with this. We say we, and it will decide it on such narrow grounds that it will come down to the letter R. Well, uh, the, yeah. uh, well and that won't come down to that. There are lots of other things, but yes, it's an but, important... But they'll, but they'll choose the narrowest ground well, possible I, I, because I, the I, Chief I, Justice wants everybody on board, well, correct? Well, I, yeah, I, they, they, hopefully it would be a unanimous decision. I don't expect it would be, but that would be ideal. And this would be, in a way, democracy enforcing because then Trump stays on the ballot and the people can, the decide. People can decide. The one thing about going the other way, and I, I agree that I can't see the court upholding Colorado because mm. it wouldn't just be upholding Colorado for it to uphold Colorado Every the Supreme Court yeah the Supreme Court have to say off. not only is this something we can decide not only does this apply to the president but we also have to find Trump engaged in an insurrection on January 6th and so the Supreme Court would actually remove Trump from the ballot in all 50 states yes that's I can't see that happening yes, yeah, I can't just, see that happening it's not going to happen all right <clears throat> and you said you expect a decision with lightning speed yes Colorado holds its primary the Republican Party in Colorado holds its primary on March 5th, which is Super Tuesday. It's a big day in the electoral. Yeah, but we'll have, you think we'll have a decision by then? Yeah, They'll be hearing oral arguments I mean, on February 8th. Look, this is either you will or you won't, but what the Supreme Court will surely do is to say you have to have two ballots. He's on one and he's not on the other if we can't decide the case before then. Um, it's a very small alteration, but you can't possibly let the system run under the current situation. And then the Supreme Court says that the Colorado, the Colorado court is completely misguided. So they're going to have to make at least some adjustment. But then on the question of what's an insurrection, their definition is one of sheer madness. Uh, what they said, in effect, if you have two or more individuals. They, meaning in the, the Colorado, Colorado Supreme, Supreme Court, Supreme the court. four in the majority, right? Right, right, right. Uh, two <clears throat> or more individuals who threaten or use force in order to determine the outcome of an election 
Administration is engaged in uh, essentially an insurrection. That means every time you had somebody in the Jim Crow era blocking black people from voting to change the outcome, it was an insurrection. Under this definition, Peter, you've been an insurrectionist almost every four no, years, no. going back a half century. Yeah, but it, it's just crazy. What, what you know? You look at real serious insurrections. I mean, for example, I've been studying the Spanish-American War and insurrections lately. Don't ask why, but it doesn't matter. And it separate turns show, separate show, separate show. Right, separate show. But what you do is you have a situation where we conquer the Philippines, take it away from the Spanish, and there was a full-scale insurrection out in the mountains with generals and tools and everybody right. fighting. And so what happened? What McKinley said is, I'm going to tell my Secretary of War, Elihu Root, put down this insurrection. That's an insurrection. Okay. Uh, this is at most a riot. Um, and it's not even that. This is basically. By the way, can I also ask, just as a my legal knowledge goes back to Dartmouth College quite some time ago. But isn't Which it is, a basic. I have a law school, so how'd you get in? <laughs> well, I had, there, was a, there was a great constitutional lawyer who taught con law at Dartmouth. Even if it you were, you, you studied with Daniel Webster? <laughs> Almost. Uh, you look like it. Almost. It's Almost. a little college, but those of us who've been All there right. love it. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Enough of that. Um, but the notion is that juries are finders of fact. This, this question of whether Donald Trump engaged in an insurrection has never been before a jury. You're putting your the, finger on correct. a really important legal issue, that was which the also the court can use to escape. This professor yeah. likes no, me. There's no, which one. Is that Go ahead. The court could say the 14th Amendment, Section 3, does disqualify certain people for being involved with an insurrection, but it's up to Congress to implement it. When Richard just said, oh, the Colorado Supreme Court just made up its own definition of insurrection. It and certainly did. It, and applied the, to the facts of the case without ever having a trial where Donald Trump could appear mm -hmm. and get due process and right to counsel, you know, all the jury trial. Yes. So uh, an important way that the court could, I think, escape having to make a decision and say we, it's related to uh, Richard's political question point is, this amendment is still good, it's on the books, and it's up to Congress to define what's an insurrection. It's up to Congress to decide how you prove it and so on, and until Congress does that, we, the courts, have to stay out. That's not a very dangerous thing to say. In fact, that's something the court regularly says when it comes to other provisions in the Constitution. It has to be executed by Congress first. And so then your point is going, Peter, there is an insurrection statute that Congress has passed. Donald Trump has not been charged with it. The Biden, despite President Biden's speech uh, kicking off his campaign right, where he right. accused yeah, Trump of being an insurrectionist, right where he accused Trump of attacking democracy, his Justice Department has not charged Trump with insurrection, even though there's a statute sitting out there. In fact, the only word we've had from any body of the federal government, whether Trump committed insurrection, is that he was acquitted of insurrection in Why? the second impeachment trial. That's yes. the only definitive that, word that, out th there They right did now. use the word in one of the articles of impeachment. Right, incitement to insurrection. He was impeached for that by the House, well, and the Senate did not convict right. him on it. On to the immunity case. Yes. Can I go on to the second case? You do whatever you want. All right. It's a free right. country. No, I just see that. I can see that you're, you're, you, you want to start telling us about the Spanish-American No, war. I don't. I wanted to make this I've got to head that one off right No, away. I'm not going to. i just make By the one way, when you, point. No, no, okay. Make when the you point. have make a mock-up oh, show, it, it, I don't want to come. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can talk about that little war. What you're doing is talking about removal from office. It need not be a jury trial. 
it could be a trial in equity, which does not require juries. So what John is right is essentially there are no procedures that are done in this particular case that are uniform. And so what he's doing is a very clever move saying Congress has to do this. And if Congress doesn't do it, then all the states are immobilized. The key point here is what the end result is. You need to get complete immobilization. This thing has to be out. So you can say, oh, Colorado was premature. They have to wait until T was put on the presidential ballot before you could remove him. That would be a disaster. Okay. Okay. So they have, all right. Before you move, I just have to, yep. uh, one moment disclosure. I'm probably going to write an amicus brief at the court on this case. That's why I've been thinking about it a lot. So I just want to disclose that so it doesn't look well, like I mean, do you secretly want to make, If you'd like to make notes as we talk. <laughs> no, no, no. If anything I say strikes you as worthy of the justice. Well, you keep writing that brief and I'll oh, sign I'm quoting it. you in the first paragraph now, Peter. You're in big <laughs> trouble. So what's the next immunity okay, case? The immunity case. This one is not before the Supreme Court yet, but it will be. Here's the background. And again, bear with me. I'm going to set it up and then hand it to you. Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith wants to prosecute former President Trump for, and here I'm going to quote a document written by Smith's team, for, quote, unprecedented effort to retain power through criminal means despite having lost the election, close quote. There's an indictment against Trump. It includes four charges. By the way, insurrection, as you're quite right, is not one of the charges. Trump's lawyers claim that his actions were covered by presidential immunity and the Supreme Court has indeed ruled that former presidents are immune from prosecution for official actions even within a term from the court, the outer perimeter yes. of their official actions. Judge Tanya Chutkan, a district judge in the <clears throat> District of Columbia, rejected Trump's claim of immunity. Special counsel Jack Smith then, in a very unusual move, asked the Supreme Court to take the case and rule on it immediately, bypassing the, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia, the Supreme Court said nothing doing, with the result that the case is now before the U.S. Court of Appeals, which heard oral arguments earlier this very week. Why am I mentioning this when, when we're talking about Donald Trump before the Supreme Court? Because whoever loses in the Court of Appeals is certainly going to appeal to the Supreme Court. As I say, the Court of Appeals in the District of Columbia heard oral arguments earlier this week. Here's a brief excerpt. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If what if he weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that? Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and... Uh, 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 and the, our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked a you a yes, no, yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached, would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first. And so, so your answer is, is, no. is My answer is qualified yes. All right. So. Presidential immunity. The judge wants to, the judge is presenting one hypothetical after another. She ends up with that very dramatic hypothetical. And Trump's lawyer had some trouble with it, as far as I so could tell. He'd had big trouble with it. Okay. So, well, but the first thing I would do if I were Trump's lawyer is I would say, uh, in this particular case, uh, what happens is uh, we are dealing with situations in which he is not president as 
well as basic situations with the president. And I think the right answer for him to make is, in this particular case, he's not acting within his official powers, so we don't have to worry about the hypothetical. And the moment he says that, he's doomed. Uh, so that what really happens is he loses this case no matter what answer he gives to that question. To that hypothetical. The hypothetical, because he's not in, uh, this is not about official acts. And the argument is, as they said in an earlier case, so long as you are dealing with a situation in which he's running for office and trying to get it, He's not within the outer perimeter of his official duties. But That's the ground on which he should lose. This would be an extra thing. But if you take this issue up, this is the way you treat it. Um, sure, you could prosecute the president. Why is that? Well, where do you get presidential immunity from in the first place, Mr. Trump? Well, the answer is you don't find it in the text of the Constitution because it's just not there. It's a judicial doctrine. Now, we want it, generally speaking, to be an absolute doctrine because if it's based on a qualified immunity, i.e. based on malice, you could sue the president for everything every time. But the way in which you put it is that we created this doctrine out of whole cloth because we needed it. We to, the courts. We the courts because we needed to keep separation of powers in order. But we will make an exception to that in cases in which there's been a dire emergency created by a flagrantly illegal act. And one of the judges in this case had a real zinger of a line. Uh, she said, look, uh, the president's job is to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. You're telling me he's going to get an immunity when he commits an act, which is designed to make sure that these laws will be unfaithfully disregarded. Can't do that. So the answer he should say is, yes, he can be prosecuted under these situations because the immunity that was given under the Constitution by judicial interpretation can be limited by judicial interpretation. John? I don't think that President Trump has immunity from criminal prosecution. I don't think presidents have this kind of immunity that Trump is seeking. What Trump is trying to do is just delay the start of his trial in Washington, D.C., as long as possible so it doesn't affect the election. I think this is a real loser argument, but they've identified this area where the Supreme Court has never said anything because we've never had a president prosecuted before by the federal government, so it's never come up. Uh, if you really want to get the... that, this is the first attempt at a criminal prosecution of a former president in the history of the republic. Mm -hmm. For acts done while he was president. For acts committed while so he was president. So right. why would you ever have to face an immunity question? We, so there's no Supreme Court case that clearly addresses this. There's, you can make inferences from various opinions of the kind that Richard are talking about. Mm -hmm. And if you took those inferences properly, I think the lower courts have been correct here, actually. Or they've said Not there's close. no criminal, yeah. I don't even think it's a close question. But the reason why uh, there's so still this, important so constitutional- the Court of Appeals, is going to uphold Judge, I'm, I'm yeah, sure I'm pronouncing, mispronouncing, Chutkin, 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 thank you. Yeah. The Court of Appeals will uphold yes. Judge Chutkin, who said, yes, the prosecution may go forward, and the Supreme Court will then uphold the Court of no, Appeals. No, 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 it's not quite correct. I, I actually think that's Because right. what happens is, there's a yeah. double jeopardy issue, and that's a much closer question. What double jeopardy issue? The double jeopardy issue that's been raised, of course, and was just by Judge Chutkin, is that Trump had gone through an impeachment trial. Oh. Uh, he had been acquitted in that particular trial. It was a criminal offense. And so any event that could have been prosecuted in uh, that January 6th trial is going to be covered by judgeable jeopardy. And if he had been convicted, there's a procedure which says how further punishment is going to be done after he's out of office. But there's nothing that says what happens when he's acquitted. He's going to lose that That one I think he should win. Really? Well, I guess, yes, I do, because I think oh, it's oh, right. Hold on, hold on. What? I just want to be very... So we have really? the presidential immunity. The courts made that up because they needed to make it up to keep separation of powers in yeah. order. Mm -hmm. Got it. 
Trump is claiming, Trump's team is claiming too much. John says they know they're claiming too much. This and is just a delaying action. But then there is a totally separate question in the same case. Somebody give me just a brief well, of course definition it's in the, of double jeopardy. This is actually wrapped up in the immunity question in terms of Trump's arguments, but it's not the right place. In fact, there's a lot of arguments that Trump can make, ahead, but they're in the wrong place, which is this case, this issue. But the claim that Trump is making is, I was already tried for this. I was impeached by the House in the second impeachment trial for incitement and insurrection, and I was acquitted by the Senate. That's, according to Richard, like an earlier criminal case. And there's a clause in the Constitution against what's called the Double Jeopardy Clause, which prevents the, the Fifth government Amendment. That's from a principle in common law. Well. No, it's also, well, common law, less so. Oh, okay. I All mean, right. it, 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 can I just right. why I disagree with Richard is because the founders, I think, made quite clear that impeachment is not a criminal proceeding. It is just a proceeding on whether to remove someone no. as president. Then there's something called the criminal law, which is about trying someone and putting them in jail for things they've done. And I think the founders thought those were two separate, totally I, separate procedures. I disagree. They, this is called you convicted, and it says of a high crime or misdemeanor, right, and bribery. So those are all criminal offenses. So I think this is a criminal trial. What happens is... And the DOJ it, drew up its list of charges in yeah. a manner that makes them too close to... Yes. To this, because the bill of, the uh, you see, what happens is double jeopardy has a very subtle situation. Suppose you have a single event like J6, and there's six different offenses you could put A, B, C, D, E, and F. And what you do is you only charge A, B, and C, and the guy is acquitted. Then they say, oh, we could come back and go after D, E, and F. Well, at that point, you could slice this cause of action into an infinite number of cases yes. and destroy the presidency. But this is not a civil proceeding. This is a criminal proceeding. It says punishment shall go no farther than removal from office. And there's no double jeopardy protection in the case of a conviction uh, because you're supposed to be tried criminally for everything else. But if there's an acquittal, that's the same thing as an acquittal in an ordinary criminal trial. Uh, what it doesn't do is protect them from anything that goes on in Georgia, uh, but it certainly protects them from everything that goes on there. I, I read Chutkin's opinion. I thought it was very weak on that point. Um, and, you know, why they raised the, the Court of Appeals is, is going to be better on that point? Who knows? I mean, as John says, this is terra incognita. But isn't the Court of Appeals generally considered the second most important yes, court? Yes, it is. Yeah. So we'd have talent on that oh, court. Oh, generally the D.C. Circuit is a better court than the Supreme well, Court. Well, don't, uh, don't say <laughs> no, It is. No, I mean, the, no. the, the judge, the, now a lot of the judges <laughs> on the Supreme Court Lawrence came from there. <laughs> no, but like Bork, Scalia, I mean, you know, right, Ginsburg, right, right. they all came from the D.C. Circuit. Okay, so, so two questions then. Yeah. We know how you think the court should rule. Trump sh Trump's immunity claims should be struck down they will or refused. But we have a split decision right here. I mean, we don't. We, we just have the two of you and you're coming up with a split decision on the double jeopardy business. Yes, yeah, I think John's wrong. So here's my further question. The further question is, John made the point that everybody knows, including Donald Trump's team, that this is a delaying action. Are courts permitted to take that into account? Are they going to move with extra dispatch because they, because they no, don't want to be used in this because way? Because this is true in every criminal case that's ever been brought. All right. So what happens is now this is a situation. Look, uh, the real abuse in this case was Jack Smith going to the Supreme Court and asking him to circumvent standard processes in order to get an early date. But Jack Smith had an argument, or at least a... No, he had no argument. Yeah, he had actually no reason. No reason why he said... Well, the reason is because we're, case we're is facing very a presidential election. Yeah. Whether this man is guilty of these charges or not is material information that voters ought to have before they cast but, their ballots. But that's not something the courts well, should take into account in schedule trials. This is, 
actually a problem that's not just created by Jack Smith, it's also created by Judge Chuckin. Because yes. they set an irrationally fast date, date for the trial to start. The day before Super Tuesday. Because they obviously want she the trial watched. done before the elections yeah. really get going, the nominating conventions. I'm, but this is really, I think, taking away Donald Trump's right to put up a full and fair defense. Oh, I mean, this I, is such I, a complicated case. case. Think of all the witnesses. In fact, we can't even agree on all the initial legal issues. How is that all going to be fairly put together, litigated, and sent up to the courts and come back, back and forth, and have a full and fair trial? I can't see how this could be done and it's even this worse. year. See, John is being kind. It's even worse than that. Suppose you were John able... John is so seldom kind. That he's <laughs> not like, like the idea. I'm suppose laughing at John the idea is right. Suppose John is right, you're, and this thing is now solved by June. You're killing my reputation. Year. Is that going to end the public debate? What's going to happen is all the Trump supporters will say, this is even horrible. Look what they did. They absolutely manhandled this guy. And they will go through the proceeding, you will solve nothing by getting a verdict, because not only will you have the public criticism, probably rightly done, but you'll also get a repeal on that. And so what uh, our friend Smith said, I get a conviction on this case, it's going up on appeal, I want the conviction to be weighted by the jurors, and they don't have time to hear about the appeal. This is absolutely crazy to interact these two kinds of things, totally irresponsible by Smith. He's a hack. I mean, he was the guy who- Whoa, 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 whoa. He was All the, the press, I mean, half the press says this man Man is an extreme. He's an aggressive but meticulous yeah, I don't, prosecutor. I hack's too strong. He's uh, uh, overly aggressive and has already lost nine to zero with the Supreme yes, Court in earlier cases. But uh, uh, he's but, uh, he's just overly aggressive no, and, and not and, really. And, and I actually or, think lacks political good judgment because the okay. best thing for our system would be for there to be an election, and then we have the Trump trial well, after the This is the second act of kindness I've seen <laughs> no, John engage in. That would be ideal from John Roberts's perspective. Yeah, but you can't have a trial of Trump when he's a sitting president. Have to be I mean, my view is you shouldn't even take in the deposition in the civil case of Bill Clinton with Paul Lagones in, when you have a God president there. Remember what it did? Oh, well, is you it lost led, on that one, Richard. I know I lost. Unanimously it was an, at the Supreme Court. I, which I thought they were terrible. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, I won't use the word hack, but <laughs> one of the things I will say is any trial lawyer, and I've done a little of this kind of stuff, knows that depositions are every bit as dangerous and maybe even more so than trials. Because you say something there, you can't take it back, and then all of a sudden it's the basis of an impeachment case. So what you do is you suspend all the proceedings, get rid of the statute of limitations, preserve all the documents and so forth, but try it later. And the reason that, uh, that Smith is so wrong, I mean, he has such an absolute crazy view of this particular case on its facts, and he wants to assume that what he says in a complaint is necessarily true so that the conviction follows. But he's going to be contested on every single point that he makes, including whether or not Trump believed what he said. Well, he's crazy enough to believe what he said. All right. Well, um, yeah, if I, I mean, I, if I were, uh, wanting, if I wanted to use the criminal justice system to punish Trump, I would still be unhappy with the way Jack Smith has done. He's really screwed the case up. The charges, think of the charges. He's charged them with defrauding the government. And a statute is usually used against government contractors and hospitals. He's accused Trump of interfering with a congressional process, which is a statute that's usually used for people who destroy evidence yeah. in congressional hearings. Right, we're and, coming to that one in yeah. a moment. And then defrauding every voter of the United States yes. of their right to, so none of these charges actually fit the crime. They're, he could easily lose in the courts on all of them. In fact, the Supreme Court has already granted cert on that middle charge yeah. because that's the main charge against most of the January 6th protesters. Right. And the court, in the previous cases, has said you sh you prosecute should be limited 
and humble in how you use that statue. You're overcharging it. I could easily stop see there. Stop. Oh, just sorry. Stop. Yeah. Don't stop. Put Don a pin in right it. on this. Put, one. No, no, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, because this is the third case I want to discuss. And, oh, oh, and oh. you're denying me the, my big oh, moment. Go to ahead. Set it oh, up. Set oh, it up. you want to set it up? You I want, want due process rights. I would, <laughs> like our, I would like our viewers to have some idea what you're you you talking about. You can see. You can see what it'd be like if Richard was a trial lawyer. He'd be like the trial lawyer from hell. He would destroy you as a deponent. You have produced one of the great lines of of all time that that if Richard occupied all nine seats on the Supreme Court, there would still be a lot of 5-4 decisions. <laughs> he doesn't really get that joke, but uh, what Fisher, else does? Fisher versus the United States. Joseph Fisher participated in the riot at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. He was charged with obstruction of an official action under the Sarbanes-Oxley Act of 2002. Sarbanes-Oxley was intended to deal with white-collar crime. That being said, prosecutors have used Sarbanes-Oxley in charging more than a thousand rioters such as Joseph Fisher. I believe the number of rioters who've been convicted on a Sarbanes-Oxley charge is over 800. To quote one plaintiff lawyer, the statute, that's Sarbanes-Oxley, has been used to over-criminalize January 6th cases, close quote. I want to repeat, these people have been put in the hokey, not charged or convicted of insurrection, but charged under a statute clearly intended to deal with, I mean, I can remember when that thing was going through Congress. Yes. All the hearings were bankers and former bankers. Yes. All right. So if the Supreme Court agrees, that, so Fisher has taken this case mm -hmm. to the Supreme Court. If the Supreme Court agrees that prosecutors have been making improper use of Sarbanes-Oxley, then the convictions of these hundreds of rioters are likely to be voided and two of the four counts that Jack Smith has brought against Donald Trump will also have to be Toss. tossed out. Okay, so let me put this question another way. For more than three years now, the press, the Democrats, and certain Republicans, notably Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney, mm -hmm. have been telling us that the events of January 6th represented a direct assault on our democracy itself. Joe Biden just said this all over again in his big campaign kickoff speech at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, just a few days ago. But the best the Justice Department could do in prosecuting these people who staged this attack on democracy was accuse them of violating some subset of, some of a white-collar statute. So if the Supreme Court says prosecutors use that statute improperly, hundreds of rioters will see their convictions overturned. So, but, uh, by the way, again, you use the word rioter as if they were uh, rightly convicted. The correct way, I think, to put the issue is they were at the Capitol building and you have to prove that they were rioters. And some of them were and some of them were not. And so when you use a statute like this, uh, you don't want to prejudge the case by announcing that they were rioters. You want to say, here there were people there. Some of them were taking selfies. Some of them were rioting. Some of them were inducing other people to do it. But it's they're, a, they're all there. But you notice I didn't call them insurrections. Yeah, I know that. But, but, I mean, but that, that may be a trespasser yeah, as opposed could, to a writer. Yes. Right? Okay, right. so, so the point I'm trying to make is mm -hmm. two of the charges against Trump get tossed out. Yeah. yeah. But hundreds of people, a lot of them are still in jail. People have been in jail for months and months and yeah. months for wandering well, it's into. It's completely abusive. Although most of them pled guilty to this. There were very few actual trials. Yeah. Okay, so, 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 the, so, so the Supreme Court we, we, looks to me as if I didn't know the background, I said, this is a very technical matter. How do you use this statute? How are you not permitted mm -hmm. to use it? But it's not a technical matter at all. It's right yeah. in the middle of our politics. Yeah. 
one party is trying to run on the events of January 6th, and the Supreme Court may be about to say, let them all out of jail. Let all those writers well, we, out of jail. Well, how, will, how should the court rule? So, how so should they first, this it? is how another way the Biden Justice Department has completely screwed this up. If, they're, if they believe the things they're saying in public, they should have charged them all with insurrection. With insurrection and had it Right, insurrection, out. efforts to interfere with the execution of federal law, right, to stop the electoral count. There are suitable charges. But as you said, they're charging them with these kind of ticky-tacky, white-collar crime laws. The and, that, and, and that is because they looked at the tapes. They know more about it than we do. They have the FBI informants telling them, and they come to the conclusion, uh, actually, we yeah. can't make an insurrection start charge stick. Or they is might that what's just, going on? Why, why did they come look, up with these cockamamie uh, little charges? The former DOJ guy, I think what they said, they did, they sat down and said, it would be too hard to have full-blown open trials for all these people, so let's let them plead out to this lesser <laughs> charge, this white-collar crime law. doesn't really fit. But we're off, we'll in their the minds, bucket. we're offering them a good deal, and we're going to process these 900 cases. And then I hope, and this is what they did, focus on the leaders, like the head, the Proud Boys. He was convicted of insurrection. He did have a trial because he, he, you know, he didn't want to plead out. And so that's the mindset of the prosecutors. But I think they really screwed up because I think in a politically important case like this, where you are saying in public, that they did try to overthrow the government. Where three years later, a yeah. lot of people of goodwill are saying, what exactly did happen there? Well, Tucker that's Carlson part, plays that's part, tapes. And, that's uh, part of the reason why I think it was actually important to have a full public trial, because a trial also educates the public. You get to see the evidence. You get to see the witnesses. And I think people would have more confidence if a jury made a decision about January 6th, these January 6th guys, rather than having them all plead out and then having the you know, biased January 6th Congressional Committee, and then having Biden at Valley Forge accusing them all of well, being anti-democratic and calling them He speaks sense, no? Uh, John is oh, not always speaks sense, but on this particular occasion, <laughs> Occasionally. He does. Uh, not occasionally, <laughs> but look, I mean, Randomly the, the, too. The, there's a, a serious problem here. If these guys pleaded out, and there's this, then they weren't convicted, uh, it's not at all clear that it's as easy to set aside a plea bargain as it is to stop a prosecution that's going to take place. Oh, so so you, the question is there. And, and this is another form of complete abuse that's taking place. It's also, by the abuse way... Abuse by whom? By the government. By the these, Justice Department. These people, remember, they were put in jail and held there prior to the time of the settlements and everything. So put yourself in the position of somebody. You know there's a more serious charge that could be made. You have no confidence whatsoever that the government is doing anything anything right, you plead out to a lesser charge in order to avoid a more serious sentence. I regard that as an abusive process by the government. Then compare this to the number of prosecutions that took place against the deliberate physical violence that happened in both Portland and Seattle that the government prosecuted. As best I can tell, the number of prosecutions that were initiated in those cases was zero. Zero. Right? I think that's correct. As John. opposed to hundreds, Although over a thousand. That's, that's mostly state prosecutions. No, I mean, they're, they're attacking federal property and they're wrecking federal things. That was strangely President Trump's decision not to well, send but, in the troops. Well, but, but that sending in the troops is not, but the prosecution was made afterwards under the this administration. So what happened is when Merrick Garland was asked to testify, I think this is correct. He's um, somebody, and the, he's Attorney General. General by this but point, only okay. was being confirmed. He said, well, this was not a big deal. There were no people there. 
I mean, so willful destruction of property is no longer an issue when it's the property of the United States. The problem about Merrick Garland is he has been a completely politicized person, thoroughly corrupt in the way in which he approaches these things, with no pretense of any kind of neutrality. Hold on. Uh, Richard hold is on. You, putting you me just, in a very strange you, position of defending you, Merrick Garland. Well, I, you, 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 you just I defended don't. Jack, Jack Smith and said yeah. he's not yeah. a hack. Well, yeah. I, don't, I don't think he's uh, politically corrupt. I think this is just sort of uh, standard. First of all, it is unprecedented. I mean, the January okay. 6th are unprecedented. Trying to figure out how to respond to it with the criminal justice it's system is, is hard and difficult. But they they, they made it difficult. Well, well what they, they did, which is the mistake, is they kind of used these tools, like from Sarbanes-Oxley, they stitched together all these things from white-collar crime laws or weird voting rights cases that really don't fit. They're just trying to clear the cases. Rather than charging insurrection, right. which is what they really believe happened. They but say they believed it happened, and they should have charged it and tried to prove it. I don't think that's corrupt. I think it's just a mistake. No, I think it's just I a think, mistake. I think it's corrupt. And let me explain why. Right. Uh, what happened you just is- You made it worse, thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, what happens is we keep talking about the past cases. What was the next thing that was said most recently by Biden? We haven't finished with this. We are now going to give criminal charges against people who may not have been present at the Capitol building on January 6th. We're going after everybody. Well, at this particular point, there's only one explanation for this. Uh, the ability of the Biden administration to sort of win on economic issues seems to have failed. And so their entire case is basically going to rest on J6. It's not even going to rest on a Their entire campaign, you mean? Uh, the, yes, the right. whole presidential campaign is going to rest on the, and the only way in which he could make this work is to basically have Merrick Garland bring the prosecutions that he wants to continue this situation. Okay. I regard that as corruption. Hold on one moment, because th this brings me to, we've been talking about the case, the Trump-related cases mm -hmm. that are in the court or going to be making their way to the Supreme Court. Let me go through. We have more than 80 charges against Trump spread across a number of different cases. We don't have time to start breaking those down, but I want to talk about them if I can. Well, you'll see what I, I'm trying to do. Sure. Again, it requires a setup, but this one is briefer. Um, item, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg charges Trump with falsifying business records to disguise a scheme to pay hush money to women. Item, New York Attorney General Letitia James files a civil suit against Trump accusing him of fraudulent reporting the value of a number of his real estate properties, even though bankers have now testified, oh, no, no, we got our loans back. We consider him a good a counterparty in business. Item, Justice Department Special Counsel Jack Smith has charged Trump with 37 felonies in connection with Trump's removal of documents, separate case from what we've been talking about, from documents from the White House when he left office. Item, the District Attorney of Fulton County, Georgia, which includes most of Atlanta, has brought a racketeering case against Trump and more than a dozen others alleging a conspiracy to steal the 2020 election. Now, listen to political reporter Byron York. Quote, we all know the political impact of this immediately after the first indictment, that is Manhattan DA Alvin yeah. Braggs, immediately after the first indictment, support for Trump in the Republican primary race shot up upward. It rose further amid the later indictments and lawsuits. The lawfare campaign against Trump has been relentless and it will surely provoke continuing reaction in the months to come." Close quote. Okay, it is clear, case after case after case after case, we're now up to, I think the latest count I read was 91 indictments, and I'm talking about cases other than those that we just discussed before the Supreme Court. And the polls indicate 
that Americans in their millions are looking at this and saying, this is not justice. Amen, This brother. is politics. And your reaction to that is? Amen, brother. I regard these cases as scandalous. First of all, let's just take the number, right? What they do is they take these accounts, and you recall I talked about A, B, C, D, and F before. Yes, yes, So yes. what happens is there's now one count for sending the check, another count for signing the check, another count for hiring a delivery man to do it. And then when you multiply the cases so that you could then give the heaviest sentence on that, the standard situation and the situation that Bragg was talking about was a $200 fine. He wants 38 years. Of course it's that way. Letitia James is just utterly irresponsible. Uh, everybody in the banking business knows that banks make their own review of these of stuff. And everybody also understands that if nobody has lost any money, it's hard to say that anybody has been defrauded. And therefore, it's hard to say that there are a bunch of people out there who really need to be protected by this wonderful woman against the sort of events that will never happen. So she is totally Trump's irresponsible. Trump's lenders were not widows and orphans. I mean, the whole thing about this is so utterly insidious and so utterly blatantly political. Uh, that but what it, about Jack Smith and the documents at Mar-a-Lago? Well, what it is, is that's a, that's a potential claim, but compare it to what Hillary Clinton did in real time when she was in office. Uh, I would say this, he did commit some kind of an offense there. I think John would agree, uh, but it's certainly not with the epic proportions that he wants to make of it. Hillary Clinton, you will recall, just to answer it, she had a live server that everybody could poach upon, and she was let go with a hand. She did not know that it was criminal. First of all, that's wrong on fact and secondly, irrelevant in law. And so she's getting the free pass. He's getting the extra treatment. People can figure out the disparate nature. Wow. I just heard a phrase I wish I'd known when I was raising my kids. What? Wrong on fact and irrelevant in law. <laughs> John? <laughs> That's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so first, uh, just as a policy, a criminal policy matter, I don't think it's a good idea to allow states to prosecute under state law former presidents, former federal officials, or candidates for office. Because when they're openly political, as the New York and Georgia cases are, you're inviting tit-for-tat retaliation. Hold on, I just want to grant that. You say the New York cases, Alvin Bragg, Letitia James in New York, uh, Fannie Willis, if it's her Georgia. name, yeah. in, in Georgia, you are saying, Obviously, you're agreeing with, this is yeah. just obvious. The, the that motivation is politically motivated. Is, the motivations are political. They undoubted. ran for office saying they were going to do this. They're Trump. partisan elected officials, and they did it. The reason why it's a bad idea is because now some red state DA is going to prosecute Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. You open the door to this tit-for-tat prosecution of everybody's officials under state law. I think that's going to be terrible for a political system. It doesn't really advance the cause of criminal justice because you're not really stopping and deterring crime by bringing these cases. But that's different than the two federal cases. I do think that there are grounds for Jack Smith to invest, at least investigate yes. President Trump for, actually, I don't even think the classified documents were the problem. What he's probably got there is a good obstruction case because you have all this, right, testimony yes. now, President Trump telling people, hide the boxes with my documents, yes. don't cooperate with the FBI. Uh, in fact, if you really wanted to, if Jack Smith really wanted to get a conviction before the election, he should just pursue the obstruction of justice charges in Mar-a-Lago over classified mm -hmm. documents. Mm -hmm. But that's but he was right to bring those charges. Was um, that well, a correct a, use of prosecutorial uh, discretion? Potentially, no. Legally, it's permissible. Yeah. Legally, legally he, permissible. I think legally, Richard's right. I think he did commit a crime by refusing to cooperate with the FBI by keeping those documents. Although the state of mind is important, but. But should the Justice with, Department? But you've got Hillary Clinton. Yeah. What Hillary Clinton did in the background, and then you also got uh, Joe Biden. Where 
classified documents turn four up four different his, places. Yes, his exactly. car, his Corvette, and so, the, so and the suppression so, of so, search warrants to find so, others. Right? So there, that's always a question of prosecution: is there are people committing <laughs> crimes? Which ones do you select out to prosecute in court? And I think Richard, you know, he makes a good point. Maybe we shouldn't be going around prosecuting former presidents, former secretaries of states for mishandling classified documents, although we have, right? General Petraeus was prosecuted. Yes, but that was a very different kind of situation. All right, boys, so you have brought up, you have teed up here the last question. God help us. And this is a question that I'm going to, I'm going to struggle a little bit trying to put it because you both have legal minds, to put it mildly, and you're not mm -hmm. going to want to listen to a big floppy open-ended question. You want we some definition. We have been definition. for a whole hour already. <laughs> well, right. and we love okay, so hey, you. We down. love you. Of course we're going to take floppy questions. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> so just a few months before he died at the age of 100, Henry, Henry Kissinger gave an interview to the Wall Street Journal, and he said this about the state of this country today, quote, there's no element of pride and direction and purpose left, close quote. You've both been taught, first of all, I, uh, Richard's the one who's been talking about history, but I know you, you're a classical scholar with, you both have a, an, a, a vivid sense of history. And in one way or another, what we've been talking about here is the shock to American norms. Trump is the one who's most often accused of it in the press, and Lord knows that Trump does violate one norm after another. But the notion that all that the legal system should be used against him in a blatantly political way, as you all, as you agree, it has been in New York and Georgia at least, if not also in Mar-a-Lago, that Jack Smith, in asking the Supreme Court mm -hmm. to hear a case immediately so it could be sped up and introduced into the middle of the political process, there are norms being violated one after the other on both sides here. Now, it feels to me, I mean, you read, you read from Caesar on and you get the, the Roman Republic, there's the, the, the feeling that the shock that one norm after another is being violated and they end up in civil war and it feels as though we've got a serious problem here. And the question is, can the pieces be put back together? Not with the current cast of characters. Look, think of who was running for president in 1920. You know, you get Herbert Hoover was considered ran for president. He was the most distinguished public servant of his era, unless it was uh, Charles Evans Hughes, who was at the same time, or Wilson. These are but, brilliant, well-read men yeah, these, who this are was, uh, gentlemanly in personal uh, conduct. Uh, William Howard Taft, Theodore Roosevelt, even Franklin Roosevelt was compared. These were all giants compared to the riffraff that we have running for presidents today. And in part, is because of the primary system, which has the parties pick people who are extreme within the general public, but a median to the party. And so you get very weak candidates running very bad situations because distinguished people will not want to go through this kind of ordeal. And so we were saddled with an unspeakable number of mediocrities, even in the Senate and the House relative to what it was 50 years ago. Real decline. John may be more optimistic than I am, uh, but this very could be a so. death cycle. No, no, I, I'm much well, more okay, optimistic. Before, before, okay. <laughs> well, I want to come it's to, a death spiral, but, but we can no. refer to but, it. But Richard, you name one cause, and it's a fixable cause, and it's the primary system. Yes. 
that didn't exist well, before the the, only the, thing. about the 1970s. It, it, it is or also so. a bunch of woke education and so forth. Well, okay, now uh, you're opening. I mean, woke but, education, but that's a much, coarsening of culture with social yes, media, all, all, of all of that stuff. But I mean, John wants to be optimistic, okay, yes. and he should have the last word. Yes, no, no, we <laughs> always try to end this on an upbeat, Richard. That's why you're always next to last. No, this is the death gasp, not of the republic, but of your terrible baby boom generation that's ruined the country. And Joe, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are the very last fingertips of the baby boomers trying to hold on to power. And they are, in order to do it, upsetting lots of norms. But I'm actually optimistic in the sense I think our institutions, despite these outrageous efforts by both of them, our institutions are still responding well. Look at what we argued about today. We argued about an effort to stop the electoral count vote on January 6th. We've argued about the that misuse failed. of, that failed. And we've argued about the use of, misuse of prosecutorial power. But our institutions have handled it. We're not changing our basic rules of democracy, the basic constitutional system. Wait. We have responded and we're still having elections. This is all to me just, right, like second order fighting over the rules. But the basic outlines of our political and legal system are still intact. And I think they're going to be after this election. I actually think my hope is after this next election, the baby boomers, Biden, Trump will leave the stage and you'll have a new younger generation of people who I think actually take the Constitution a little more seriously and take the law right, more John. seriously. You'll, right. have, you'll have Tom Cotton instead of Donald Trump. No, you'll, you'll have, have Gavin Newsom. Well, or, that's or, what I was about to say. You'll have Gavin Newsom Nikki instead. Nikki Haley or Ron well, DeSantis. I mean, you those, think about those, the Those people. are fine people. Yeah. The Republican Party is, has a better bench than the Democratic Party. Well, there, there are impressively educated and well-spoken yeah. Democrats. That's Well, name one. Well, I speak as a, a citizen of California, like my friend John Yu <laughs> here, where the, the, one of the, the, the infuriating no, thing I, about I, Gavin Newsom is that he's so articulate and so appealing and so self-assured on camera and so thoroughly mistaken on every policy you can you mention. You cannot but, mention but, anybody dumber on substance than him. You can get close. But my point is, if you fast Would you care to defend fast, another man here? Yeah, against fast Richard? improvement to have... I'll even say Kamala Harris, no. Gavin Newsom, uh, Chris Coons, uh, Governor Polis, instead of Joe Biden. Well, All of them would be a no, vast John Fetterman. Who's, who's, John Fetterman. Well, he's a new yeah. hero, right? Yes, he is. Now that he's now that now he's, he's come out of uh, whatever his problem was, he was recovering so from I a think stroke. Kamala he's Harris, Harris as a president is an inconceivable situation. She couldn't even run a campaign. All right. All right. Have, I mean, we don't want to talk about that. What you have are two people who are consumed with the ambition and the institutional system is responding to them. Yeah. And once they leave, I think you have all those people are going to be more responsible. And our institutions won't have to be fighting so hard to prevent the distortion. You have dedicated your life at one level or another to, to the Constitution. Correcting Richard Epstein. Well, that's a subset. <laughs> that's a subset of the, your overall mission here. But you've dedicated your life, both of you, to the Constitution of the United States. And you say that after all we've been through in the last decade, you're more impressed by the Constitution. By yes, the Constitution, because it has responded well. Well, let me put it in this way. John and I are a generation apart. And this three is th generations apart. Not three generations <laughs> apart. To be precise, we're 24 years apart. Okay? All right. A kid, you That's over That's a longish generation. It is a longish generation, right. right? So he is praising everybody in their 50s and dumping on everybody in their <laughs> 70s and 80s. I'm dumping on both sets of individuals. So I think I'm more capacious and even-handed than he is. <laughs> Richard Epstein and John Yu, thanks a lot for I'm not so sure what. <laughs> 
Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. For Uncommon Knowledge, the Hoover Institution, and Fox Nation, I'm Peter Robinson.